welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I am your host, Evan Birchmore. On today's episode, guys, we'll be having our Bring the Sting Power Forward Preview episode as the Position Unit Preview Series rolls right along. We're on to the Power Forwards, guys, as we get closer and closer to tip-off of the regular season for your Charlotte Hornets. And as I record this, tomorrow is actually the first preseason game for the Hornets, so it'll be here before you know it. So, Definitely excited for that, but really excited to dive on into this power forward preview as well, guys. Again, uh, as the position unit preview has been going on, we've had one episode per week coming out. So we've done point guards, shooting guards, small forwards. This week, we got the power forward preview. Next week, we'll take a look at the centers. And the following week is tip off, guys. So we'll be having our full season preview and prediction episode coming out that week. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive on in to your Charlotte Hornets power forwards, guys. All right, so like I've mentioned on previous episodes, right, you have to sort of delineate somehow for the position units to have position unit previews. And like I mentioned on last week's episode, I am going based on NBC Sports depth chart. You can find it online. Just look up Charlotte Hornets depth chart NBC Sports. And so what they have listed on their website as power forwards on the Hornets roster, guys, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Jalen McDaniels, J.T. Thor, and Arnoldus Kolboka. So those will be the guys we look at today. Again, a lot of those guys can play different positions. I would expect P.J. to see some time at the five. Miles can certainly play at the three. You know, we'll see different lineup combinations out there. But for the sake of the podcast series and just getting, you know, some analysis uh, down and out on the airwaves, You know, we got to group these guys somehow into positions. So that is what I'm going based on, like I've mentioned on previous episodes. And these guys will see run at the four. That'll be their primary position, I believe. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive on in. So the first man up, Mr. Miles Bridges. We're taking a look at Miles Bridges here. He stands six foot six, 225 pounds. He was the 12th pick in the 2018 NBA draft from the Los Angeles Clippers and was traded to Charlotte for the 11th pick, who is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So they were traded for each other on draft night. So it kind of feels like Miles was drafted by Charlotte, but he was acquired in a trade from the Clippers. He spent two years at Michigan State with coach Tom Izzo, who described him just as a a real blue-collar sort of a player, right? And I I sort of think about that, that Michigan State program, I think they – they really have blue collar guys. And I know the guy who really embodies that probably more than anyone is, is Draymond Green coming from Michigan State and what he's been able to do in the league. But Miles Bridge is definitely a blue collar guy. Several awards, you know, in his college career, just a laundry list. I, I would, you know, spend the whole episode running you through that list and it would take up all of our time. So I'm not going to dive too deep into that uh, for time's sake. But a very decorated college career comes into the NBA. Last year, guys, so the 2020-2021 season, played and played 66 games, 19 games started. He put up 12.7 points per contest, 6 rebounds, 2.2 assists. And, guys, the shooting splits jump off the paper here. And when you look at – I sort of dove into these, but I'll go ahead and read them off first. 50.3% field goal from the field, 40% from deep. from the foul line, guys. So I kind of dove deeper into this. Amongst returning players for the Hornets, again, 50.3% from the field, 40% from deep, 86.7% from the foul line. Amongst returners, highest field goal percentage amongst returners, highest free throw percentage amongst returners, and the second highest three-point percentage amongst returners, only behind Gordon Hayward. Guys, Miles Bridges missed out on the 50-40-90 club. So that's 50% from the field, 40% from deep, 90% from the foul line. 
He missed that by four free throws. I looked it up. He went 98 of 113 on the season from the foul line. If he had made four more free throws, he would have been 50, 40, 90. And that's in addition to his athleticism, you know, his charisma, his defense, his hops, really just had had a what to this point was his career year, I believe, last year. Now, again, with some injuries and sort of things in the rotation coming down the uh, kind of the home stretch of last season, Miles was forced into the starting rotation again, for those 19 games. Over the final 19 games of last season, guys, he averaged 20.2 points per game. So that sort of a small sample size, right? And it was really out of necessity, if you remember. Just really the injury bug really hit Charlotte very hard. But again, he has the potential, and he's shown you on the court what he can do. So the debate will go on, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, who's your starting four, right? That's still kind of a question. Your other your other four spots in the starting rotation are pretty much solidified between LaMelo, you know, Terry at the two, Gordon at the three, and then Plumlee there at the center spot. But who's starting at four? Miles has an argument to make. I mean, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk argument by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not outlandish to suggest that he should start based on what he was able to do as a starter last year. Guys, now sort of his situation, he is a restricted free agent next offseason. So that's the 2022 offseason. He will enter restricted free agency. And we'll dive into some of uh, his, I guess, sort of advanced stats, if you will, here as well. If you've listened to the podcast at all, you know that I'm a big fan of PER as a stat to sort of measure, you know, kind of the, the deeper impact beyond just points, rebounds, and assists, right? His PER last year, 14.72. Again, as I've mentioned, 15.00 is what's considered to be a league average. And it sort of accounts for everything, your positive contributions and your negative contributions. But it's trending in the right direction, 14.72. So, you know, you know sort of doing the research for this episode and, and diving on into his background, just, you know, not just last year, but since he came into the league, it's been going in the right direction. And he's right where you would, you know, ideally hope for him to be at this point in his development. You got to remember, he's only 23 years old, so he's still growing as a player. He's not yet in his prime, so he'll be getting better for the next few years and as he enters his prime. So again, PER 14.72 uh, last season, so that's going in the right direction. That being Mr. Miles Bridges. Now moving on to the next, next man up here in your uh, power forward rotation and the other man who might have a good argument to make for being your starting four, Mr. P.J. Washington, standing six foot seven, 230 pounds, came to Charlotte as the 12th overall pick in the 2019 draft after spending two years as a Kentucky Wildcat, guys. So last year, 2020-2021, P.J. played in 64 games. He started 61 games, put up 12.9 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 2.5 assists per night. His shooting splits, 44% from the field, 38.6% from deep, 74.5% from the foul line. Again, he's also 23 years old, so he's very young as well. His PER last year, 13.42, so a little bit lower than Miles is. But again, as far as he's you know, entered the league one year after Miles, so if you think about it on a, a growth trajectory, right, a growth curve, he's going in the right direction. You don't expect guys to come in and be – you know, excellent PER players right off the bat, unless, you know, there are some anomalies and things that the stat doesn't account for. Whereas, you know, you look online, I believe it was Grant Riller was your leader in PER last year. I think it might be safe to say something like that is an outlier, 
right? But take take everything in totality, take it in context, keep perspective. You know, these guys are both excellent options, I think, at that starting four. Now, again, who starts at the four? I'll answer that later because that was actually a listener question that we got. But again, like I said, we'll dive into that at the end of the episode. But there's arguments to be made for both, right? Miles you know, started some a little bit in 2019, 2020, not necessarily at the four, but he has started before. Now, PJ has pretty much always started. Like since he was drafted, he's been in the rotation as a starter. Again, last year, 64 games played, 61 games started. So pretty much every game he was in, he was starting for. And then who finishes? You know, that's kind of what I, I see as, I don't want to say more important, but equally as important, I think it's fair to say, who finishes the games? What's your finishing lineup look like and really the lineup that I want to see and I don't think it's what you'll see as your starting lineup is you know your your normal guys one through three right so LaMelo Terry and Gordon at the three but then Miles at the four PJ at the five PJ playing some small ball center I think is a really intriguing lineup now I did see something interesting out on Twitter actually recently as well so again before I dive in that gives you a very very promising I guess small ball rotation if you will a small ball lineup to go out there and and we all know like golden state kind of made that famous when they put you know uh it was igadala into the starting lineup there in the finals and he ended up getting the finals mvp back in 2015 so small ball you know and kind of it's this this uh sort of narrative that small ball has taken over the nba well i saw something interesting on twitter that sort of I don't want to say discredited that but but brought some new perspective where you look at the last three nba champions we're not really small ball guys. They had really good guys, like interior, you know, bona fide post guys they would go through. And so really you think about Toronto had big guys, right? Sergi Baca, Mark Gasol played big roles on that team. You think about the bubble Lakers with Anthony Davis. You think about this year with Giannis, you know, while not really a, a center by, you know, what the traditional definition of a center is, he's still, you know, a seven footer. He's still that tall. So, so really, you know, small ball, I think it is effective, but it's not the only way to succeed. I think that's what I'm trying to get at is that it's not the only way to succeed. It's not the end all be all. You still need bigs. They're, they still matter, right, in basketball. So again, having Plumley there at the five as you're, you know, six foot 11, seven foot, uh, what have you, for rim protection, just to kind of anchor everything on defense. I, he's he, I think he's in the starting rotation. That's kind of just the, the verdict on that. But again, PJ as a small ball five for stretches in games, I think is very promising and, and could really, you could kind of see some neat things happen out of a lineup like that. Now diving on into your third member of the power forward rotation, that being Mr. Jalen McDaniels. Jalen McDaniels stands six foot nine. He's 205 pounds. He spent three years as a San Diego State Aztec. Now one of those years was a red shirt year. So he really was active for two years but he was in the program for three years. He's also 23 years old. Now, last year, guys, 2020-2021, he played in 47 games. He had 18 games started, and he put up 7.4 points per contest, 3.6 rebounds, and 1.1 assists. His shooting splits, 46.8% from the field, 33.3% from deep, and 70.3% from the foul line. Now, his PER was a little bit lower than you like to see. It was 1146 now, again, though, he is, you know, sort of younger as a younger player. So that that will continue to improve, I believe. He had a negative plus minus, which is not great. And his defensive rating, you know, is not spectacular. Whereas a guy who, and I mentioned this on the previous episode uh, in, in regards to actually it was Cody Martin, where I think Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels 
will be sort of fighting for kind of that back end spot in the rotation, right? Maybe your 10th man, right? Uh, so really their defense is going to be what gets them on the court. And that defensive rating is not great at a 113.9. Again, defensive rating, sort of the definition of what that is, is points allowed per 100 possessions. And then this is boiled down to an individual level. So 113.9 would mean you gave up 113.9 points per 100 possessions, like individually. It's not really, you know, taking others into consideration. So again, that was his individual defensive rating last year. Now he does have a seven foot wingspan. So you love to see that. You can't coach that. You can't really develop that. That is what it is. So he's got that God-given frame to be able to be a good defender, a plus defender. But again, just really kind of needs to develop that. Now, he did actually start 18 games last year, like we mentioned. Out of 47 games he was in, 18 he started, kind of out of necessity, again, as the season went down the home stretch and, and sort of just the injury bug really took its toll on Charlotte. But again, started 18 games, put up 11.3 points, 5.2 boards, and 1.9 assists. So that's about what you would expect. The numbers went up because his, his minutes went up. So he's shown that ability as well. He's a valuable piece, I think, to have, but not a guy who I'm expecting to play a major, major role for Charlotte this year and things, unless things just really, you know, kind of change in an unforeseen way as we sit here in early October. I'm not seeing Jalen McDaniels being a huge contributor, but again, he's 23. You see what he turns into. You don't want to give up on him, you know, too early uh, and, and just kind of see maybe what he's able to bring to the table for the Hornets. Now, moving into the fourth man here in your power forward rotation, that being this year's you know, draft selection, JT Thor. Now, technically not your selection. He came over with Plumlee in the deal with the Pistons, but for all intents and purposes, you know, Charlotte was able to get him at the draft. He stands six foot 10, 205 pounds. Again, he spent one year at Auburn. He played in 27 games, started every game, put up 9.4 points, five rebounds, and 0.9 assists per game. Shooting splits, 44% from the field, 29.7% from deep, and 74.1% from the foul line. Now, JT Thor is one that I really have my eyes on as, you know, he's the ultimate long game prospect, right? He's he's the ultimate long-term sort of, I, has, I don't want to say project because I feel like project has a negative connotation, but a long-term, you know, just sort of development to keep your eyes on, right? Because that's what it is. He's going to develop. He will continue to get better, guys. And you have to have perspective on this. He just turned 19 in August. I just want you to think about where you were at 19 years old, right? And then you're in the NBA playing against NBA-level power forwards. You know, you're going up against, you know, Anthony Davis or, you know, NBA bigs, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or, you know, Giannis or Bam Adebayo or somebody like that. You're 19. So, don't get over your skis, have realistic expectations for JT Thor, but really as a long-term development, he's, he's, you know, super intriguing in my opinion. Again, he's got a seven foot three wingspan. So we talked about that wingspan with Jalen McDaniels being seven foot and being impressive. He's got an even longer wingspan than that seven foot three. Now he also has good form on his shot. His, his three point percentage in college, again, 29.7, but Personally, I don't think that's truly reflective of the the level of a shooter that he can become as a potential, you know, sort of a stretch four guy, if you will. Now, at the combine, again, it's the combine. It's not real defense being played, but he went 15 of 25 in a three-point drill at the NBA combine. So the stroke is there. Really, it's more about refining that and doing it against good, you know, NBA-level defense again. But 
you know, he has at least the potential to grow that into a solid part of his game, which is what you want. You, you got to have the potential to, to, you know, develop the potential, obviously. Now, really kind of where he has room to grow, one, his body, just getting more strength on his frame. Again, six foot 10, 205. So he'll need to sort of pack on some more muscle to be able to, again, sustain an NBA season, sustain, you know, the durability, really. And, and you just think about 82 games plus playoffs, hopefully, that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. You got to be able to handle that, you know, get good rest, get him on a training table, get him on a good training regimen, and, and really just kind of build that frame out for him. But again, 19, so he's, he's still developing, he's still growing, not as a bat, not only as a basketball player, but just as a human being, right? So, so, you know, again, you would expect that to be something that he's able to improve and work on, especially, you know, now with NBA resources at his disposal. Absolutely. And then again, the decision making as well, sort of where I think sort of at the at the point that he's at, it, it's sort of in a vacuum, right? It's JT Thor goes out there and does good things as JT Thor, but sort of that next level to go to as a player is can you escape from just playing in a vacuum and make others around you better? And uh, the crucial aspect of that is your decision making on the court. When do I shoot? When do I pass? Do I have it going tonight? Should I look to, you know, facilitate as much as a you know, a stretch four facilitates, you know, or, you know, your defensive decision-making, you know, do I switch? Where's my man? Are we zone? Are we man? You know, do I gamble for this steal? Do I stay back? Who has my help behind me? If this guy blows past me really just sort of and the game moves so quickly where these guys, you can kind of get by on raw athleticism to some extent in college. And, and you know, sometimes in the pros, I mean, but Again, it really catches up to you fast. And the jump, it's a noticeable jump to the league. So, again, as a 19-year-old, I really expect him to get a lot of run run up in Greensboro this year at the Swarm. But all the, the physical tools are in JT Thor's toolbox to become a very valuable part of the Hornets in, in future years. But, again, is that this year? No. I, I'm not – I don't think I'm spoiling anything for anybody. I, I don't think that's this year. But a few years down the road – you know, could be coming back and saying, wow, JT Thor was a steal in 2021. Could be saying that in a few years. Now, our fifth man up, Mr. Arnoldus Kolboka. He's on a two-way contract with Charlotte. He stands six foot 10, 236 pounds. He was the 55th selection in the 2018 draft by Charlotte. So he's actually been, you know, in the Hornets franchise for quite a while now. But he's actually on the roster this year. He spent, you know, the past few years overseas, but this year in the summer league. So he's played in the summer league every year with Charlotte. He put up 8.2 points per game, three rebounds, and 1.2 assists per game. Again, that was this past year's summer league, the 2021 summer league stats uh, for Mr. Koboka. He went 39.3% from the field, 35% from deep. And then again, his stats in Spain last year was where he's playing professionally. He put up 9.2 points per night, four boards on 42.5% shooting from three. So he's got a good shot. You know, he can definitely stretch the floor. And I think he probably sees time in Charlotte this year just because at this point, you got to figure out what you have, right? He's been with Charlotte since 2018. So at this point, you know, several, you're, you're a few years into this thing. You need to figure out what is Arnoldus Kolboka. Is he a guy that you hold on to going, going forward? You know, you spent the 55th pick on him, so it's not like you're hugely invested in him. You just need to figure out, you know, what is he and kind of what caliber of a player is he? You know, again, I would expect him to at least see some action in Charlotte. Does that mean extensive action? No. But do I expect him to put on a Hornets jersey and step on the floor in Spectrum Center or in a road arena at some point this year? Yes. At some point, I would expect that. 
But again, I don't think he's in your rotation this year. I just think that's more so for, okay, we need to figure out what we have here in Arnoldus Colboca. Can he be a guy who's part of the part of the plan going forward? Does he need more development? Is he still on his growth? I mean, I'm sure he'll, you know, continue to get better as all players do. But, you know, where is he? They need to figure that out. So, again, I think that's kind of why he's in the situation he's in this season as compared to prior seasons. You know, and again, they, they kind of re- reconstructed his contract this summer, this offseason, to sort of allow for that opportunity, right? And for his sake, I think, you know, having that defined role and figuring out, figuring out you know, okay, what what caliber of a player am I? Am I really in the long-term plan for the Hornets? You know, what is that going to look like for him? That benefits both parties. So, again, excited to see, you know, to just kind of get an answer to that question, right? I'm not meaning to say any of this in a negative sort of a way, but really it's just kind of a great unknown at this point. And, and again, uh, same as I say with JT Thor and Jalen McDaniels, where it's really nothing that I think is going to – make or break the success of the Hornets season overall. But it's these kind of individual storylines that are that are maybe maybe more minor. You know, maybe the national media obviously isn't paying attention to them. But as Hornets fans and, and you know, as somebody who covers the Hornets, it, it's really, you know, crucial to kind of keep up with these things because they impact, you know, they do impact, you know, your your roster flexibility and what you're targeting in the draft next year. Everything works together. So it's it's important to keep an eye on eye on these sort of the back end of the rotation guys and see what's going on with them. See maybe if, if someone can kind of separate from the pack, if you will, and emerge as a guy who can really kind of become a bigger part of things going forward. All right, guys. So like I mentioned earlier, kind of the, the elephant in the room, if you will, who's starting at the four, right? And again, like I said, we got that as a listener question. Actually, I want to shout him out a listener question from at Noah Horton on Instagram. Who gets the start at power forward, right? Okay, that's the question everybody's asking right now. As preseason is upon us, regular season, you know, just just over two weeks away. So who's your starting four? Is it Miles Bridges or is it P.J. Washington? Before I kind of give you my answer, I want to just maybe take the pulse of, of the fan base, right? So uh, for those of you who don't know, I also contribute to a website called Swarm and Sting. It's through Fansided. And so I write articles on there. We cover the Charlotte Hornets. Be sure to check them out. It's some great work over there. Solid team. But uh, I digress. On Swarm and Sting's official Instagram, or pardon me, on Twitter, at Swarm and Sting, ran a poll. Who should start at the four? It got 512 votes, and Miles Bridges got 77.7% of the vote to PJ Washington with only 22.3% of the vote. Guys, so that was, you know, an, an overwhelming majority, I would say, of fans voting for Miles Bridges. Now, again, let's dial it back. That's fans. Fan is short for fanatic, right? And I think Miles Bridges is a guy who he makes a lot of highlight plays. He's a lot of fans' favorite player. And so, of course, they want him to start because they just want to see more of that. And, and he sort of, I feel like with Miles Bridges, there's almost this sense that there's, there's some untapped potential in him where if he would just get the opportunity to start, we could sort of unlock another level of Miles Bridges. And since PJ has already been starting, I think a lot of fans are looking at it as, well, we already know what PJ is capable of. Now let's figure out what Miles is capable of. I definitely don't want to discredit that line of thinking. Now there, there is some good logic behind that, you know, but my answer is PJ Washington and, and sort of I'm reframing the question here, but I think I'm, I'm just going to say, who's your starting four on opening night? 
because, of course, we don't know what can happen throughout the course of an entire season. But on opening night, I expect P.J. Washington to be out there as your starting four. Could I be wrong about that? A thousand percent. You know, that's that's a projection. That's not a guarantee. Make some predictions and projections on the show. I'm not going to make any guarantees. But P.J., again, he's taller than Miles. He's bigger than Miles. And I just think having that size in your front court as a starting unit is important to have him alongside Mason Plumley playing there at the five. And then, again, like I said, though, I would expect a lot of small ball five out of P.J. and have Miles there at your power forward. So it's not like, you know, one guy starts and the other guy just sort of, you know, is on the bench the entire night. I would expect them both to be playing, you know, 30 minutes a night. And really, I think, and sort of another point here and kind of a tangent, but just sort of the chemistry and the attitudes I see out of these guys on this team is so good where I don't think there's going to be any drama uh, you know, kicked up by a sort sort of any sort of a controversy about who's starting at the four. I don't really think Miles or PJ cares all that much who's starting at the four, as long as you win games, right? And they want to contribute to that, and and they will. You you know you're you're going to need those guys to play well in order to win games. But again, I don't think Miles or PJ will be you know in a situation where they just sort of uh, pout about things if it if they're not starting at the four. But my long-winded answer to that question would be, I do expect P.J. to be starting at the four. Will Miles get some starts this year? Absolutely. You never know what happens. You never know, you know, what the protocols look like this year with COVID or injuries or, you know, a million things can happen throughout the course of an entire season. So that's why I hesitate to project this out for the entire year. But on opening night, when the Pacers come to Charlotte, I think P.J. is your starting four. That's just my prediction at this point in time with the information that we have, you know, sort of available to us. But again, Miles will play a big part on this team. And and sort of something else to sort of dive into is, you know, that bench guy where I think he really fits with Kelly Oubre, maybe better than PJ does. So I think there's some value in having Miles and Kelly out there on the court together, as opposed to not that PJ can't play alongside Kelly, but I just think sort of that get get up in transition really long you know rangy guys who who just have lots of hops and and really just kind of that you know athleticism of a miles bridges next to a kelly Oubre in your second unit i think that can cause nightmares for other teams guys i'm I'm excited about seeing that out on the floor and you know i'm sure the guys are as well i'm sure james borrego is as well so again that that's my very very long-winded answer to that question, Noah Horton, thank you for sending that in, though. And, guys, like I mentioned, all questions are on the show, so be sure and send those in. We'll go ahead and start taking questions for the center preview coming up next week. Again, so get your questions in for that. Or if you want to go ahead and get them in for the the uh, you know full season preview or what's your prediction for the Hornets this year, be sure to send those over as well. All right, again, so that will do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like we mentioned every week, be sure to follow on Twitter and on Instagram. We're on Twitter. It's at underscore bring the sting on Instagram. It's just at bring the sting. Got the season countdown going on. We'll have lots of good content coming out. Preseason starts this week. Regular season, like I mentioned, is not far away at all. Just a little over two weeks. So again, thank you so much for rocking with all that content though and engaging with it. Be sure to send in all questions. We'll have, you know, just any recommendations or really anything that you would like to see more of from the show. Be sure and let me know. You know, I'm always here to, like I say, the show is by fans for fans. So I record the show, but really it's a lot of it is through you guys, right? You can't have a podcast without an audience or else I'm just here, you know, talking into the microphone. So, so really, I just thank you so much for listening and, and just kind of getting those streams and everything and really just let me know your honest feedback as well. You know, something that, you know, I'm just very thankful for. So be sure, you know, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, 
Uh, if you want to leave a review for us on Apple Podcast, I would just be really grateful for that. That would really help out a lot as well. Again, but thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bring the Sting podcast. Thank you so much. Until next time, we will talk centers next week again, and then our full season preview coming up in two weeks from now. That will be the week of October the 17th. But again, guys, until next time, thank you for tuning in.